Welcome to the AP Podcast. This is Mike Shea. My guest today is Johnny Craig. Um, there are very few singers, I think, around whose name and reputation has like a stigma to it now because of uh, maybe something that happened in their lives, but whose incredible talent was never, ever in dispute. And that, I've, that's been about Johnny. No matter what was going on with his life, his talent was always like right there on the tip. Like, he's amazing talent. He's incredible talent. Um, and the great thing is, is that, you know, he's gotten back up. Uh, and he's not only still standing after everything he's been through, but he's beginning to break into a really nice running sprint kind of as his career. Um, and now he's solo on his on his doing his own thing. Um, from uh, he's, he's out from underneath Rise Records, and he's picking up speed once again. He just had a really successful stint down at South by Southwest. If you watch his social media, uh, he's just his fan base, his original fan base, is just surrounding him and just picking him up and running with him practically. And it's a really beautiful thing to see um, his uh, his voice. Um, is it's it is trademark. It's it's a trademark soul, soulful um, of vocal, and he's got. I think you already have. You have two more singles coming out, or do you have a, a rhythm? Is in, you have three? And rhythm, my soul is, is the first of the three, or is that there's an additional three coming out? Um, we just uh, we released a three, and then we're now actually gonna the next thing I release is gonna be like a video and a single deal, and then after that it's just gonna be the EP. So. Well, this is okay. So we're going to get into that, but I'm just really happy to have you here, and uh, I'm Thank really you. glad to see uh, what's going on with you. Um, and I have to congratulate you right off the bat um, that we talk about that EP because uh, you did a, uh, a crowdfunding uh, uh, yep. thing with uh, Indiegogo, and uh, your your goal was twenty thousand that you had on there, and uh, and there was uh, I saw there was an interview, and, and some of uh, there were some fans that were wondering like why do you need so much money for an EP and so forth. Yeah. But the great thing is is that Checking it this morning, you hit twenty one thousand fifty two out of twenty thousand, and that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Were you surprised that you were able to? You mean like everybody wants to hit that number, but yeah. were you surprised you hit it? I was, uh, you know, at first I, I honestly was just a little wary about it, you know, because uh, with all the problems in the past, and you know, you're sitting there like, hey, can you give me some money, you know? And it's like obviously there's going to be some a little bit of backlash, but I was scared at first, but once it took off, it just started to go up and up and up and up, and it really just amazed me uh, how well and how fast we did it. Like I. In my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, we're going to get it. We'll get it. And then once it started to get closer, it was like, wow, we need to we need to pick it up a little bit. We got to film another video or something because we're, we're kind of slowing down and we're almost there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that it, uh, it it came out so well, man. Well, you now that you're kind of doing this, you're building your own machine. Um, is any part of that that process that you're scared about? Like, because it is in a way like the record companies are the bank. They yeah. really are. They're the bank. You go to the bank, you get the loan, and you make yep. what you got to do, and uh, and they support you and so forth. But now that you're kind of doing it on your own, how are you feeling about that? I'm. Uh, I feel good about it. Like I want to. I know I'm like a little a little scared about it because obviously I've always had the the financial backing. I've always had that that comfortable you know line where I'm like, all right, nothing's got to be worried about. Everything will get recouped. We're gonna be fine. And now I'm you know I'm, I really have to work for it myself. Now I really have to put that effort in and say. You know, we're gonna. Here's gonna be a campaign. We're gonna we're gonna raise the money, and what I'm trying to do is just I'm trying to invent myself again. You know, who I should have been the entire time, and I think that's that's what kind of scares me the most. Is like I'm really, I'm really, uh, you know, a little struggling a little bit with that because I want I want to make sure that what I'm gonna do next is really gonna get across to everybody the way I see it. So was it has that? I mean, as you said, I mean that that is how how has this vision of yourself like where you want to be? How has it changed? you know, over the past three or four years. I mean, obviously you were in your, you were in your dark period at that yep. point, but 
now that you're 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 sober and and you're and you're doing a lot of positive thinking now, like how how has that image of yourself changed than maybe it was before? Like what you were thinking you were gonna do? I just I feel like when I was always like fucked up and stuff, like I didn't I never really cared, you know. I was always like, all right, yeah, cool, I'm 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 gonna get there, whatever, you know. I, I never really took the time to really focus on how I was going to get there. And now that like I'm sober and stuff, it's like I'm sitting here and I'm actually planning out every move that I make. Like, you know, all right, we're gonna. We're gonna, uh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna take this slow. We're gonna do this fast, and it's like, I just want to come out and come out strong, and, and that, I mean, that that's the only thing I'm like focusing on, and I think that like, the difference between it is like I'm focusing, like I'm actually focusing on what I'm doing. I go out and play a show, and I'm like, all right, that's fine, you know, I need to, I need to do this, I need to warm up before I just whatever, slam drinks, you know, do some drugs, and then go out, and if it was good, it was good. If it was bad, I complained about it, and then the next day came, so. I'm actually focusing. I think that is the real difference, you know? You know, uh, the, it's one thing you don't really get to hear a lot about because unfortunately, you know, when somebody is is, is struggling um, with addiction and stuff like that, it's always just focusing on the drama yeah. and the arrest or whatever the heck it is. And of course, with like me, it's like tenfold, you know? Well, and in, so in the, in the eye of the media, so it's like... Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but one thing I never really hear about is what all that self-abuse has done to your voice or your talent or your ability to play the guitar or anything. So after all that, have you thought, was there any permanent damage like to any, like uh, your voice or anything? Yeah. I personally, I don't, I don't think so. You know, some of people have come up to me and they're like, you don't sing as high as you used to and shit. And like, you know, I never really wanted to sing high, you know, I like to, I like to be real, real smooth and real right in the middle of it, you know, but I do like to get that aggressive feel and get up there. And, you know, I, I personally don't think it did any damage, but, um, and I'm and I'm glad for that. I, I I'm blessed that that didn't happen. That would have sucked, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's it's messed me up too bad. How is it? How do you? So let's let's take maybe a slightly different approach to that okay. and, and a question and say how how do you think that your voice ha has? Do you think it's matured over the past few years? I mean, you're growing up. Yeah. You're, you know. So and and I'm definitely a lot more comfortable with with the way I sing now and and the way I do things. I don't I don't how so like I don't I don't overthink as much. Like I used to worry about going on stage and not like hitting certain notes and stuff. And now I make sure that I'm singing in, you know, just the right part, right, the right key. That I never have to worry about my voice cracking or going out of key and stuff because uh, I, I'm I'm in that like real comfortable line, you know. And obviously, I, I like the emotion I get when I do like the the real raspiness and it it gets up there. And I I feel like sometimes it's a little pitchy, but you know, it, it's all about it brings that emotion out. You know, you can feel it when when I'm when I'm hitting those notes. What's your What's your opinion on like? You know, there's two types of artists now, and, yeah. and it, is get it gets criticized a lot. Um, and a lot of the vocal vocalist shows that we see, like The Voice, like America's Got Talent, mm -hmm. so forth, a lot of these shows uh, get criticized for it because there's there's those that believe that you should sing naturally without aid, and then, then there is those that are like, well, it's just how it is now. Yeah, you know, you need aid, you need auto tune, you need this. You're, everybody's getting fixed. Uh, you're singing to backing tracks. <laughs> you're, you're you're not even singing live on stage anymore yeah. because you have to dance, and that's okay. You yeah. have to be a performer, not a singer. Exactly. What's your views on all that? Like, I um, I've always been a uh, a real, I guess, Nazi, so to say, when it comes to that shit. I I, I hate auto tune, and you know, I think it's it's kind of unfair to the people that are actually out here and have like you know a real God given talent. It kind of sucks when you know you're out here and you're working your ass off and you're you're doing what you do. And then there's like a band that's like, you know, ten times bigger than you, and the person can't even sing, you know. And it's all just because it's a, it's a show and shit, you know. I'm I'm more about the the soul of what's happening. I'm more about the feeling of what you're getting when you're watching something, not of the presentation of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think um, 
I've always been real weird about that. I went and uh, I went and saw The Weeknd for uh, Christmas. My fiance bought us tickets, and uh, I was worried because I watched videos online, and I'm like, oh, you know. And he actually uh, he actually really impressed me. And there's one thing I hate when singers do, and it's like when you record something and then you play it live, and they sing a completely different shit thing. I hate it. It just it bugs me out, you know. And they're like, he did that a lot, but it was all in all like it was a great show and i think that kind of ties into it like he uh he kind of does like bounces back and forth between that you know the whole presentation and then the whole feeling thing so who, who are your favorite and they don't have to be you know within our community but just in general which what singers do you admire now i mean i've always admired like boys to man like I, i've been listening to him since i was a kid you know they just they've always done it for me those those harmonies and just i've watched videos countless videos of them like just sitting in a park with an acoustic guitar, and then it's just it just fucking blows my mind, man. They've always been real, real big for me, and you know I got this obviously guilty pleasures. You know I sure. I, I love Drake. I, I I hate to admit it, but you know everyone talks so much shit on him, but you know I I love his shit, man. We listen to it all the time in the van. I I like the way his melodies just just like speak just to you. You know they you're sitting there listening to it, and you just feel everything that comes out of his mouth, even if he can't sing, because you know he's using a lot of auto tune too. But I think. Uh, he knows what he's doing, definitely, as an artist, for sure. You know, I, speaking about, like, it, it coming from within you, mm -hmm. when you're a singer, uh, how, do you, how do you make it sound, and this has to do with performing other people's stuff. So as a singer, I mean, it's, it's like, that's like the thing now. Like, yeah. you want to get your career going, do a bunch of YouTube covers, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, 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 maybe, and maybe try and click, I want um, advertising on this before yeah. YouTube catches you. Right? I, miss, I miss that train. I miss, <laughs> I miss the, the YouTube famous train. So, so but, and, and there's a lot of debate now, which I think is unnecessary, about co-writes and, 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 and writing stuff, uh, singing stuff that's written for you. Now, 30, yeah. 40 years ago, that pretty normal. Like, yeah. back in the 70s, you see any major performers back then they were singing stuff that was written by other people mm -hmm. and they were proud they'd walk on stage and say hey this is a new song by so-and-so that they wrote i really love it but you can't there's like a stigma to it now yeah you can't so how do you think as a singer do you make a song you didn't write yours yeah i mean i was i've, I've always been confused about that because labels are always like you know we, we want an artist that has it all we want an artist that's going to write we want them to sing you know we want them to make their own their own shit and then at the same time they're like all right, you need to work with this person, write a song with this person and stuff. And I've always just been really confused about that in my head because I'm like, you know, what do you really want? And like, for me, I don't, I don't play instruments very well. And I mean, I focused on just singing as a kid because I knew that if I focused on one thing, uh, I would be amazing at it instead of being mediocre at two things. So, <laughs> you know, okay. and uh, I was just always confused about like that stuff. And I think that if you're going to like cover someone's song and you're going to do like co-writes and stuff, I mean... It's not always, to me, it's not like, I haven't done any co-writes yet, but, I, you know, we've been talking about it and stuff. And I think it's just about, you know, letting go and just, just um, you know, rolling with it a little bit. Obviously, it's, if someone's going to write a song for you and you don't like it, then you don't got to sing it. But if you feel that, you can make that your own song, I feel like. If someone writes their lyrics down and you're reading them and you're like, okay, you know what? I understand this. I got this. And you get that feeling in you and then you get up to the mic and you just go, go for it. You know, you... You, you feel exactly what that line said and you sing it just like that. So I don't think that it's it's wrong to sing someone else's stuff or have someone help you write, especially if you can get that feeling from it. You can grasp that that kind of, uh, what what kind of great word can I use here? Uh, just just the, the overall, just if you can get a pleasure from it, you know, if you, if you can feel good about what you did, then I think then no one, no one should be able to judge you. You know, the... Uh one of the words I've heard used uh, to describe you uh, on stage is, is intensity. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and uh, and very intense. <laughs> yes, exactly. And 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 uh, so, how how do you think? How do you keep that going? And this is for like all the performers and singers and artists, musicians that are listening to this. But how do you keep that going for a whole? It sounds like a simple question, but how do you keep that going for a whole show? Like, do you pace it out? Do you like figure like okay, it's like a it's like a it's a, like a plot of a movie. Like you yeah. got to start at one level, then you take it up in the middle and bring it down, and then end it on a high note. Like, what yeah, do you do? It kind of like goes back to kind of what we talked about the, the the show shit. It's like when I get on stage, I don't know, something just hits me, and like I, I think it was the. The feeling that I've always been searching for, you know, and I I mastered with drugs for so long, but since I've been sober, when I get on stage, I just I just get into this this different world for some reason, and I don't I don't see anything, I don't hear anything, I just go with whatever I I feel with, and when I play my songs, especially like the acoustic part of my set, um, on this tour, it's just ridiculous. Like I, I've I've broken down and cried like multiple times on the tour, just because it's just uh it's just so real to me to actually feel all these feelings now and. I love that stuff. So I don't, I don't pace it out. I don't plan it. I go up on stage every day, and I know that what I'm gonna do, I love, and I kind of just go, go from there. Like I feel like if I'm showing how I feel, if I'm showing and being, you know, real, mm -hmm. then they're gonna feel it just as much. And I think that it doesn't matter. Like you know, if I'm doing a little something here, or go crazy at the end. You know, I'm not jumping around and climbing shit. You know, that's that's not me. I'm, I'm just, I'm just here to sing and and get out my frustrations, my feelings. Is there any song that you can't perform right now because of the memories attached to it for whatever reason? Um, there's one. I I, uh, I just played it at the office for the uh, thing, and I, I cried again, man. I, I, it, it hurts a lot to play. It's called Children of Divorce. It just gets me every time, man. I'm, I'm about to cry right now. It, just, <laughs> it drives me insane to, uh, to think about it, but it, it, it's a great song, and the kids love it, so I keep playing it because I know they want to hear it, even if it, it, it's a little painful, but... I think they can feel that and see that when I play it, and it it makes it it makes for a good song, you know. It makes for a good little intimate session. Do you think that being open with your feelings, because because especially for a lot of a lot of guys, like they want to lock it up, yeah. you know, and that's what, how like we're kind of taught. And do you think that letting that show has helped kind of reconnect yourself, reconnect your fans, I should say, with you yeah. since you've come back? I think honestly, like before, I I would never cry, you know, on stage. I I would I would think about it. I'd be like, "Fuck that!" Like, who would do that? And now I'm just like I said, I'm just going with it every day. So I I don't think like um, you know, like I said, if I'm just being real out there, and I, if I gotta cry the song, I I wrote the lyrics. Like I write music because I want to get my my problems out. I'm trying to deal with them myself. So if I'm gonna break down and cry, like you know, that's that's me. That's what I gotta do. Like you can't. I don't think someone should be like judged for that shit. A lot of people are like, no, you know, that that's not cool at all. But I mean, half the crowd starts crying when I cry. Like it's intense. I got a girl last night just bawling on the side of the stage. I like, couldn't stop. Just. She just kept telling me how beautiful I was and how amazing, like, it was like her first concert. And she was like, she was older. She was probably drunk too, but <laughs> she was definitely, she was on one. But I mean, you know, half the crowd starts crying. You know, it's, I feel like it's definitely more positive to me to get my feelings out right now. Like on drugs, I tried to push my feelings down for so long and just, and now that I'm actually like out being sober, it's uh, all these feelings are hard to deal with. And the only way I can deal with them is to get them out on stage though. So. Stages become therapy. Yeah, that's exactly what it is to me. Yes, um, and and it, you know, and it's it seems as though like fans listen. Have you found that the way? I mean, I've seen it, but I just want to ask: like, are are fans talking to you differently now online? Yeah, I mean, there's still there's always going to be those fucking knuckleheads that just talk shit for no reason, but I mean, 
I think a lot of people are really trying to see that I'm really trying to better myself. And like, as a person, as a real human being, I think like you can't deny someone that no matter what they did, no matter how bad someone hurt you, if you actually focus on someone and see that, you know what, here's this guy four years ago who can't even remember fucking being on stage to a guy that goes on stage every night now and just pours his heart out. I mean, you, you can't deny someone that no matter, no matter what they did. So they, de they definitely, they give me a lot more. I feel like I, I'm, I'm earning their respect back slowly, you know? And I they're treating me a little bit better than 8 million tweets, you know, just fuck you, you're a douche, you know? I, Has that died down? Yeah, it's definitely died down a little bit. I mean, I still, like I said, I still get the occasional guy, and then I'm bored, so I battle it out with them. And <laughs> I, just, I just shut them down, you know? I don't, I don't got time for that shit. <laughs> I remember uh, when uh, I did one of these with Ryan Key, and it was when he was coming back, mm -hmm. not, uh, so it was a number of years ago, and he <clears> said <throat> that... Um, he was using that tour more or less for kind of like his make good. And he was kind of going from city to city on the road and trying to patch things up yeah. with whether whoever the heck it was. I mean, sometimes it was a promoter. Sometimes it was a sound guy or, or a band from a local band, that, yeah. whatever, because of, you know, his, his, um, you know, his, the, the way that he was treating people and the way he yeah. was treating himself. Uh, do you kind of feel like you're in that mode right now? Yeah. I'm, city to city to city. and Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we call it making amends. <laughs> right. And uh, it's, uh, it's a difficult thing to deal with too, you know, because a lot of the times you don't really see the way you're treating people when you're, you know, so blinded and just so messed up. Like you don't see the way that you're hurting people, especially like just the smallest thing like a promoter or being a dick to like a local band or something, you know. So I definitely am in that mode. You know, I'm, I'm just out here to, not really prove myself, but I'm here to just show everyone that, you know, I just, I want to keep doing this forever and I, I want to actually have a good attitude about it. I want to show the appreciation for fans that I actually have instead of, you know, being such a douche. So I, I am in that mode, you know, I want to, I want to be here for them the way they've been here for me when I went to rehab and stuff. So that's, that's what I'm trying to pay, pay back right now. So, so just talk about like the year ahead, like for your career. What is what's your what's the goals? What's like one, one, two, three, four, five goals you got? <laughs> I mean, uh, even if they're simple. Yeah, I mean, my goals are honestly just to uh, you know, foremost, just stay away from drugs. That's the that's one of my hugest goals right now is to um, stay away from the drugs and just people that do that type of shit that influence that bad kind of uh, vibe to me. And um, you know, my year is just to just keep making this new music. You know, this new identity that I that I want. I want to make the music that I love, so that's that's my goal for this year is to just keep doing that. And I hope that uh, you know, I hope it gets successful. I hope that I, you know, I hope I I hope I can get back to that point where I was, you know, just about to blow, and then I'm like, all right, you know, I'm in it. You know, yeah, well, my goal is obviously to be on the AP cover again. Right, know? exactly. <laughs> of course, that's awesome. Um, but is it? Uh, it I imagine you know more touring, more music, more like you get it. When when is what's kind of like the production schedule for this EP now? As soon as I'm done this tour, I fly to Atlanta, and I'm there for 10 days, and we're going to actually start, um, you know, the pre-prodo, just trying to map out which songs I'm going to use, you know, what... Um, They're already written? Yeah, kind of. I have, like, half of them right now. I have a guy, his name's uh, Captain Midnight. He's working with me from Seattle, and he makes amazing beats. So I have, like, half of them, and then we're, he's going to bring me, like, a couple more, and we're going to pick which ones we want on the EP, and maybe, if we have time, you know, start recording it, and then... You know, obviously send it to someone, mixing, producing, all that 
get it, get the hype, and uh, you know, use the money for what what we got it for. So fans could maybe expect it before Christmas. I, I'm I, I'm hoping to drop this EP before you know in the summertime. Oh, okay. I really want to drop it in the summertime. Yeah, I mean, I want to get it done. I'm I'm ready. I feel like I'm at that point where I need to get everything off my chest, and this is the only way I'm going to be able to do it is to just get in there and knock it out. So. What's your, you know, a lot of artists will do this and they got to figure out what their three-year goal is. So where do you want to be in three years? I just want to be able to uh, support my family, man. That, that's the only thing I've ever wanted to do is just support, you know, the people that got me here. I want to I want to support, you know, be able to help my manager out, you know, someday buy him a house or something. I've been with them for seven <laughs> years and the, the guys like my dad, like I, I just want to be able to show the people that I love and that have been here for me and love them. I just want to show them like that I appreciate everything they've done for me and I feel like, you know. Doing huge gestures, something like that would be amazing. And obviously my mom, my dad, you know, take care of them. And, you know, my fiance, you know, who knows? Um, just, uh, I don't want to uh, pry too much, but uh, is it, it's Manda, right? Yes, Amanda, yeah. Amanda, okay. So, because I was reading online and stuff like that, there was like some kids are like, well, is he with her? And who's he gay? And it's, they, so yeah. I was just, when did, where did you two guys meet? It's crazy. Uh, when I did the, the AP-ish article or whatever, I, um, I had a girlfriend. And I met her like in rehab and shit. And, Let's just say that didn't really work out, but she, you know, it was cool. It was cool to kind of get back into it. It was like a, I guess you could say like a rebound. I don't know what the hell to call it, but it was, I was just trying to get back into the, the swing of things. And, um, Amanda would always hit me up on like line and stuff. And, you know, she, she's, I always thought she was beautiful. You know, we always messed around and just like talked and chatted back and forth. And, uh, I played Anaheim and, you know, it was like one of my first shows back and she came out to the show. I invited her to the show, and she, she posted something. I was like, "Yeah, you better wear that, you know, white dress. You know, something stupid, hitting on her." And she ended up coming to the show, and uh, yeah, we I've been with her ever since. Like that night, we, uh, you know, we just kind of got together and hung out. And we hung out a few days after that um, when I was living with my my friend up there in L.A. And uh, yeah, we just the more we hung out, the more I just realized that I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with her. It was weird. It was like right off the bat. I never really like I always like get into relationships I'm like yeah you know let's get married let's do this and I'm just talking a bunch of shit but uh, when I, I I realized when I would talk to her and say those those things she uh you know I, I actually felt what I was saying for the first time and uh, I think kind of that's how I knew I, we've been together almost uh almost a year I think now that's coming, awesome. coming up on a year yeah musicians and relationships are always um, I think uh, an interesting. I mean, you could write theses and, and yeah. master, you know, degree yeah. papers on them and stuff like that because they are really unique. Uh, I feel. Um, you know, do you? What do you think a uh, whether it's you know a girl or or a guy or whatever? What do you think that they need to understand about being in a relationship with a musician that's on the road? Um, <clears throat> you know, I've definitely like dated some like jealous ass chicks, and uh, you know, Amanda's not really like that. She um. She understands, you know, I, I posted on Twitter a couple of days, some stupid, I was like, you know, I may, I may chase these hoes at the show, but you know, when I come home, you know, she's, she's the, she's the, she's the one that's there for me. She's the one I go to, to talk to and stuff. And, you know, not necessarily like hooking up with chicks and shit, but you know, right. I'm just saying like, obviously it's my, it's my job to sit there and talk to people. And like, um, somebody said something on the internet that was like the most amazing thing. They're like, kindness is so rare these days that it's just, some people just mistake it for flirting. You know, it's like nobody is just nice anymore nobody like takes the time to like really talk to someone like meaningful so i think that um you know there's a there's a, a thin line with like you know making it your job and really respecting the fans and talking to them opposed to you know chasing chicks and shit like that so it's definitely hard to date a musician for sure they have a 
a unique way of thinking. It's always me, 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 me. So to be in a relationship is really difficult sometimes. But do you think that there's a sense of uh, do you think that there's a there's a sense of 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 uh, understanding that um, you know a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever um, has to have about the that sense of narcissism that the musician <laughs> kind of has to have, especially yeah. with social networking, that you kind of have to be constantly make it about me, 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 yeah. me. And and how do you, how do they not get like feeling like the musician is just being selfish and not, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, I definitely, you know, we, I definitely have that problem for sure. You know, Amanda tells me I, I, I spent all day looking in the mirror and shit, you know, she spends like 45 <laughs> minutes getting ready, but I'll get ready in like 10 minutes. And then I'll spend the whole time that she's getting ready, just staring at myself in the mirror. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I definitely am a super narcissistic, but I just feel like there, there's gotta be that kind of, uh, that, uh, like compromise, you know, like obviously you're in a relationship with someone you care about that person. So you need to understand that. You know, obviously my career is about me and this music is about me, my shit's about me, but I also want my life to be about her. You know, I, I want to focus on what I do and I'm doing it because I want to be able to someday be able to just, just focus on her and not ever have to worry about, you know, financial shit, stuff like that. So where, where would you end up ultimately in the, in the long run? Do you want to be a producer? Like in the long run, like, you know, when we're like, when we go to LA and we see these guys yeah. have been in the industry for 40 years and like they're you know, gray and they got ponytails and they're sitting behind mm -hmm. a board. Yeah. Like, what do you want? What do you see like later in life that you kind of, I'm definitely, uh, I'm always going to be that dude on the stage for sure. I mean, I, I, mm -hmm. I have that mentality and you know, if I can get there, I, I know that I can stay there. You know, I don't want, I don't want to, uh, I've always wanted to write melodies for someone, right. You know, and I, I never really gotten that chance. I've always thought about that. So, you know, if I, if my, obviously my career doesn't work out and stuff, I, I know what I'm doing when it comes to writing, you know, lyrics and melodies. So I could definitely, you know, find a career in that if I needed to. But that's definitely not what my passion is in life. You know, um, uh, I don't really, I haven't really seen a whole heck of a lot about it in a while, at least. I mean, and it's probably because it is a couple years old, but your solo record that you did, mm -hmm. um, two of my favorite songs off of that, at least the two that I kind of, when I play that record and I, I kind of pop on repeat, um, Australian and, and Freaky, those two songs. Yep. I just love those songs. Um, Thank you. But, but, Looking back on that record now, what's your couple years and, you know, like with, especially with everything you've been through, do you kind of look at that record differently now or do you? A little bit. I mean, I loved what I did on that record. I loved the way that like, I kind of fused this weird little indie, you know, weird stoner rock with like this, you know, real powerful, you know, overbearing, you know, R&B-ish type of soulish vibe. And now I'm trying to write music where it's just you know, vocally based and, but I wanted to, you know, I definitely want to do like, I don't know, I guess the only way I can say it is like more sexual, you know, I want my music to, I want you to feel that. I want, I want you to use my music, you know what I'm saying? And uh, the the way the albums are different is I feel like I was always, I was so focused on like bands because I was mm -hmm. in like dance and MROs at the same time. So I was like juggling and I was just like, all right, I'm going to do the same thing, comfort zone. Now I want to just get out of my comfort zone and really like, really show the world who I am, like what I'm about, especially when it comes to, you know, more lyrics, more provocative stuff. So I just, I just want the world to kind of see me as a little, a little different instead of the, the rock, the rock Johnny. And now I want to be more of a, you know, more of a, I, I guess uh, you could say, I can't, I don't even know. I'm like, <laughs> my brain's gone blank, but you know what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess it, it, you, this is part of your evolution now. Yeah. So, um, 
kind of go back to being a vocalist, mm -hmm. you know, and, and using your as your voice as your as your uh, as your career. Um, what have you kind of taken out of being a vocalist in a band now, and you're going to be able to utilize in the way that you're going to be uh, having your career now, and the way the kind of music you're going to be performing? Uh, definitely uh, structure. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're in a band, you're working with like five, six other dudes, and you really get that. Uh, you really get the uh, the vibe of just oh, making sure that everything is always set in place and structure and stuff. And um, as much as I'm gonna try and use that on my new record and stuff, I I want to try and go outside the box too a little bit. I want to do like I said something a little out of my comfort zone. So taking another thing I think I'm I, I'm gonna take from like being in a band and stuff is just uh, the way like my, my range and stuff like notes and keys like that. Like obviously when you're in a band, there's so many things going on. There's so many more notes you can hit. Now, if there's a solo stuff, I want to dim it down a little bit, but I want to make it, like, you know, pop really well without having to use eight guitars, having to use a bass and stuff. So it's kind of like I want to key in that, like, serenity spot, you know, that, like, that real middle ground. That's what I, I feel like that's what I'm going to take away from being in a band. Do you like, do you listen to any EDM or any of that stuff? Like any, uh, like dance music? Type? Yeah. Nah, man, I'm, I don't, I don't like that shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's just not me. Like I, I always see it. Well, it also has to do with the drugs and shit. You know, it's oh, like, like okay. I, I look at my Twitter all the time and I'm going to the ultra fest, all this shit, we're going to get fucked up. And it's like, I'm really trying to stay away from that. So the whole ecstasy type scene and shit was never my deal anyway, man. <laughs> do you have a, do you have a, what they would call a dry, a dry bus? Or do you have like you know where like you can't have people that are on the road with you that are that smoke pot even? Um, I mean, I've I just have one rule. I don't I just I don't want any drugs in my van in my bus. So I mean, if you're gonna do drugs, that's that's fine. That's your opinion. I I don't judge anyone. You know, a lot of people smoke weed. Dance, Kevin Dance smokes fucking crazy mm -hmm. weed. You know, um, I get a couple of dudes in MROs to smoke now, and it's like I don't I don't mind at all. I just do not want it in my van. That's all I ask. So. Just side question. Um, I haven't asked anybody before. Uh, do you think uh, weed is equal to, uh, to uh, less harmful, or more harmful than liquor? Um, I guess it's just all of uh, you know your opinion. Obviously, like I, I try not to to drink hard alcohol, especially before I go on stage now and stuff. I um I usually just stick to a few beers and stuff. But I mean. Some people that they like smoking weed and stuff, and like I said, it's that's your opinion. And I mean, I've tried to smoke weed a couple times, but I just freak out, man. I get like bad anxiety when I smoke it, which is weird because it's like supposed to do the complete right. opposite. But right. I smoke weed, and I'm like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like, I think everyone's staring at me. Like, it just, it, I just, I, I get, I go in my head, and I'm like, I gotta get out of here, run, run. So I, I definitely <laughs> stopped smoking weed after that. But it's, I don't think that it's harmful or not harmful. I guess it's just, uh, you know, it's used for medicine. It grows from the ground, I guess. A lot of people make that kind of argument. And, you know, I'm not going to weigh on which side I'm at. I just, I don't mind it at all. I just don't want it around me, man. Do you, do you uh, being back on the road, I remember um, Ronnie's talked about this. Um, Craig Owens has talked about this where, you know, those first few times back out on the road after kind of, after the cleanup, mm -hmm. um, they still had people hitting them up saying hey i can hook you up yeah i'm gonna come to the show let's party like we used to and they're like no yeah no, I, was, I mean are you do dealing with a lot of that i was a little bit smarter um i actually uh i didn't have a phone for a long time well that'll do I, it yeah <laughs> i um i didn't want to have any 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 connection with all that so when i went out on the all-stars tour and shit i didn't have a phone and um it just uh you know it made it a lot easier i didn't have to worry about it you know obviously there's always people trying to hit you up yo you want to smoke and shit and like like I said, I never had a problem 
saying no to weed because it freaks me out. So I'm like, I don't smoke, man. You know, <laughs> you want to have a, a beer, relax. I'm cool with that. Just you know, I I try and really take all my shit in like moderation now. You know, I don't I don't like to get all crazy before I get on stage. And you know, we got off. We'll get off stage and we'll go somewhere and hang out. And you know, that's cool with me. But I never dealt with the with all that. Like having people hit me up and saying, oh, I'm in your town. You want to do this and this again? And I I just had to distance myself from all those people. You know. Eve Craig Owens hit me up and was like, yo, you want to get high? I, I, I would have to say, sorry, bro, we're, we're not going to be friends anymore. <laughs> right. Because it's just, I'm working on my own recovery. You know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't fuck that up for, for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I put a lot of work into where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go waste it just to get high one time with some random kid, you know? So. Do you, um, uh, do you, have you found that, that, um, uh, I had a friend one time who used to drink a lot and he couldn't go out. He was one of those people like he couldn't go out to a social function without getting kind of plastered. Yeah. And so he found out that like, hey, I got a problem. I got to chill out. Mm-hmm. And the first thing out of his mouth, and I know we've both heard this other times before from other people are like, how am I going to enjoy this social thing yeah. if I'm not messed up? Like they're all messed up and having fun and I'm the sober one and I'm not going to be like in their cloud, you know, sphere. Yeah. So did you have to have you been kind of dealing with any of that or or what how how do you deal with that i think that you just you really got to be comfortable with yourself man i mean if you're going out to a party and you you know you're not going to get fucked up and shit i mean you really got to be comfortable with yourself you got to be ready to go out like i'm uh, no shit man i fucking didn't leave my house for like four months you know what i'm saying because i just was not ready to go out and do that and now i can go out and you know obviously i you know have beer and stuff and relax but i mean i always say this shit i've been saying on stage all the time now it's like I'm even if I don't make it in my recovery and shit, I'm just trying to be out here to show people that you don't need to be on a substance to have a good time. Like I'm for the first time in 27 years, I'm realizing that my life is amazing. I have an amazing life. Like I don't need to fucking be all smacked up on heroin to go out and play a show. Like I can get that same feeling. I can go to a party and chat up a bunch of chicks and you know, make them laugh, you know, make them blush and I don't have to be messed up cuz I'm comfortable with myself. Man. That's awesome. I think that's exactly what you need to be. So we take two music breaks, and um, so let's let's do the first one right now. So right. two different artists and a song by each. Um, so give me your your guilty pleasure song right now. Oh man, <laughs> I I've been listening to so much, like I said, all that Drake stuff. But uh, I'm trying to pick something that would be uh... so like that one that you it'd be the first one it would hit, the first one you would hit without a doubt. Um, probably that's that swimming pool song with Kendrick Lamar and Drake and all them. That song is uh, I've been listening to it over and over and over again. And that uh, that Love Me song by Lil Wayne and, and Drake. Mm. I don't give a fuck about no haters. <laughs> all right, and then give me the song that um, g- give me the one that give me the give me the song right now that that kind of inspires you or gives you hope gives you gives you that faith and like i can i can continue on this journey that i've that i've set out on now yeah um i don't know i, I to be completely honest it's gonna sound like a douche but i've been listening to this this new song that i have it's like my own song and i haven't i haven't released it yet but it's i just filmed a video for it i've been like i've just been playing it a lot because it it really makes me think myself like when i listen to it I, I, it just makes me think of what I've done, where I've been, and where I want to go now. So that's really what I've... I've just been listening to it over and over. I play it every night, and 
the song just hits me and it's weird because I made this song. So I like when that happens, when you can make a song that it, you know, you can listen to it over and over again and it hits you the way that you want it to hit the people. So I know that it's going to, it's going to do its job. Well, that's awesome. What's the name of it again? It's um, it, the, the Lives We Live or you can, or You Got It. There's, there are two names. Okay. Well, usually what ends up happening, I'll probably cut this out, yeah. um, is that we play it. Oh, you <laughs> so, can, so, I, you, so that's why I need to find a second one here. So um, I can give it to you. I mean, we haven't released it. As long as you don't release it, you could play it. Would you want to do that? Well, I mean, we put it in the podcast, so we would actually be kind of releasing it then. So we don't want to do that. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. So, um, let's. Um, so all right. So what? Give me a song that. Um, give it's me. A, an, it's an old one. Okay. Um, it's uh, "Coming Home" by Dallas Green. I was. I've been listening to that one a lot too. But it's, it's old. I just didn't know if you wanted a newer song, old song. It could be any song. Yeah. Really. What about What about that song? Is it's really like, that that whole that whole CD, man? That sometimes CD. It's just a. It's just an amazing CD, man. It, when you listen to almost every song on that album, you listen to it, and it, like I said, it, it it really makes you think about everything, you know? It doesn't matter what kind of problem it is or what he's even singing about. I'm just focusing on what, I, what I've what i done, you know, where I've been, where I want to go now, and, and how, I want to, uh, how I want to feel for the rest of my life. And that's what I kind of feel when I listen to that album, so. I don't know what I would do without y'all. I'm about to the day I found Yeah, long as my bitches love me. My bitches love me. Give a fuck by no hate as long as my bitch is loving. Yeah, I can give a fuck by no nigga long as these bitches love me. Pussy ass niggas stop hating. Little chick got that fire. And these hoes love me like Satan, man. Yeah, fuck with me and get by it. And all she eat is dick. She's on a strict diet, that's my baby. With no makeup, she a 10 And she the best with that head Even better than Corinne She don't want money She want the time we could spend She said, cause I really need somebody So tell me you're that somebody Girl, I fuck who I want And fuck who I don't Got that A1 credit At that filet mignon She say, I never wanna make you mad I just wanna make you proud I say, baby, just make me come then don't make a sound. I'm on that good cushion alcohol. Yeah. I got some damn bitches I can call. I don't know what I would do without y'all. I'm about to the day I found. Yeah. Long as my bitches love me. My bitches love me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can give a fuck by no hate as long as my bitches love me. My bitches love me. My bitches love me. Yeah, I can give a fuck by no nigga long as these bitches love me. Uh, real nigga, fuck these haters. These hoes got pussies like craters. Can't treat these hoes like ladies, man. Pussy money, we codeine. She say my dick feel like morphine. I hope my name tastes like sardines to these niggas. She wake up, eat this dick. Call that breakfast in bed. 69.96. I feel a heartbeat. Chest to chest with this bitch Now turn around, face down I'm arresting this bitch Yeah, all my bitches love me And I love all my bitches But it's like soon as I come I come to my senses And I will say these hoes names But then I will be snitching And these haters try to knock me But they can't knock me off the hinges I'm on that cushion alcohol Yeah I got some damn bitches I can call I don't know what I would do without y'all. I'm about to the day I found. Yeah, 
my bitches love me. My bitches love me. A few good bitches, met some more bad bitches, and I be schooling them niggas. Post for your class picture, and I kiss my ass if you hate. I'm getting ass, so I'm skating. Cushion alcohol. I got some damn bitches I can call. What's that? I don't know what I would do without y'all. I've seen the streets in the west I've driven down the 90 Well, hell, I've seen America's best I've been through the Rockies well, I've seen Saskatoon I've driven down the Highway 1 Just hoping that I'd see you soon Cause I'm coming home 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 coming home Well I've never been to Alaska And hell, you know it ain't worth shit I've been through Nova Scotia Sydney to Halifax But I'll never take any pictures Cause I know I'll just be right back Cause I'm coming home I'm coming home in London I've seen a castle in Wales But I'd rather wake up beside you And breathe that old familiar smell But I never thought you could leave me I figured I was the one But I understand your sadness So I guess I should just hold my tongue but I'm coming home I'm coming home 
Abbotsford, yeah. Is that actually where you're from, or is that just like the you know? Sometimes people say like, "Oh, I'm, I'm from there," but you're really yeah. from a small town near it. There's like a lot of weird shit. Wikipedia is like all crazy. Right. Um, I um, I was actually born in the states. I was born in Minot, North Dakota. Really? And yeah, I grew up in Washington, Tacoma, Washington, until right. I was eight years old. Okay. My parents got divorced, and when they got divorced, I um. My mother took me and my sisters, and we went up to Canada, and I grew up there. So I can't, you know, I kind of remember living in Washington a little bit, but it's like most of my memories are in Canada, like growing up, high school. And then obviously, when I got to like 16, 17, I bounced back and forth to my mom and my dad's. And then uh, I think when I was like 18, I just chose to live in the States. So if you had to choose a nationality, if somebody came up to you and said, you're going to, yeah. you got to pick one or the other, which one would you pick? Um, I don't know, man. It's so hard. Canada has like free healthcare and so chill. And then uh, I love the States. You know, America is like America, you know, it's, just, it's great. I love it. I, I, I'll definitely say, yeah, I would say I'm an American for sure. I know I'm probably going to lose all my Canadian fans now, but I mean, to be honest, I'm dual. I still have my dual citizenship. I was just so. going to ask you that. Yeah. yeah. I see they're written like Canadian so American. I'm, and I'm like... both, man. Fuck them. Fuck them both. I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Nobody can be mad. You know, I got a Canadian passport and an American one. I know that's illegal, but. So what were you like, like before high school? Like what kind of kid were you? Like, like were you into music? Were you, uh, I mean, yeah. I've read so much like it. You were really influenced. Well, again, this is online, but influenced by your grandmother and she yeah. was really into, uh, she was church lady. And yeah. I mean, I, I never really did. I never played music when I was a kid and stuff. Um, I was always really fascinated with, with singing, obviously. Um, you know, it wasn't so much of the playing and stuff like that. I was always fascinated with like, my, my grandma would make me watch like these fucking, these weird, um. They were like church concerts, but they played on TV for some reason. There'd be like 30 people, and they would sing all together, and then each person would, in, the, in the different songs would walk out and obviously do like, you know, their own solo thing in the song. And it was just, I mean, I, I don't, can't remember how many times I watched that shit. Like, burns in my memory. I think I was watching something on TV the other day before, like, the cable, you know, when cable switched to, like, you had to actually get it or you're not going to watch TV anymore. I was watching <laughs> one of them, and I just, my mind was blown about how silly it was <laughs> but um yeah um i was i wouldn't say i was a weird kid i just was real quiet i uh was on ritalin mm. when i was younger for uh, for many years and um i just kind of felt like zombie like so i was real quiet and then when i wouldn't take my medication i would get kicked out of school and you know i'd be off the off the chart but i've been able to uh maintain my my add and adhd that i have do you um you know there's still a lot of controversy about Ritalin. There's yeah. still a lot of discussion, debate, and what what's your feeling? Like if if you, you know, let's say when you have a kid, it's a, someday, like, yeah. and let's say that the doctor comes in and says, "Well, hey, blah blah blah, Ritalin, 
what would you say? Like, I'm just gonna tell him to suck it, man. Uh, like that, <laughs> it's it's a horrible, horrible drug, man. I know it's it's supposed to be designed to help people and stuff, but um, I mean, I'm 27 years old and my appetite is still fucked up. I can't I can't eat before noon. Like, there's just it's just it's crazy, man. Like how, I mean, I don't. There's some weird thing I don't know, but like having children and stuff, like. You, if you take it past fifteen, you're uh, you're not going to be like sterile. Like, it's just there's this. It's horrible, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Cause I just remember being a kid and like taking that shit. I just when I would take it, I I just wouldn't even know what I was doing. I just sat there and just stared. You know, I couldn't. It didn't like. I, I was I I was high. <laughs> you know, it was I was high. I was on like amphetamines. You know, it was it was crazy. And I, to be like a kid like that and like force that on someone is insane. You know. Do you just do you think? Ritalin and being on it and being high at that time. Do you think yeah. that led to later on? I always think about. I always think about such. A, I I don't know, man. I can't say for sure. I because de- I, I mean I, I I'm more of like a, a downers guy. You know I I, I always loved uh, you know like pills and stuff like that that brought you down. But when I would take them, I wouldn't go down. I go up. So when I and when I would do like coke and stuff like that, I I go down and it's just like it always confused me. So I don't really know if it, it was a big part of it, but who knows, man? You know, it definitely. Uh, when they say like when you start taking drugs and stuff from that point you 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 stunt yourself emotionally right so like it's no wonder i'm so fucking immature you know like <laughs> and just just uh, always you know having that that me mentality cuz i'm 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 still a kid in my brain <laughs> it's interesting i've i've seen that actually happen with some with some friends where yeah. you know they they started at 18 mm-hmm. and then they hit 26 and they get sober and then they're 19 yeah like developmentally wise, they're going back yeah. to being nineteen again, and it's I'm, interesting to see them kind of regress yeah. almost, but they're regressed healthy, like backwards. Yeah, it's weird, but it it's definitely um it's definitely a challenge, you know, trying to have like responsibilities and like just stupid shit, like paying your bills and stuff. Like, I st- I still hate all that stuff. I hate doing anything. Like, I used to have everything was done for me, especially when I was getting high. Like, Eric and Craig, like they would they take care of all my stuff, all my bills, everything was taken care of, and now I'm like. No, I'm like, you know, I'm, my emotions are always getting the best of me now because I don't know how to deal with them. So I'm like, oh, you know, I get stressed out about a call. Like, Eric's like, yo, I was like, my cable bill is about to get turned off. And they're like, we just paid it. And I was like, there's, there's a past due. He's like, you don't even know what that means. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's intense. So, sometimes. so do you remember the, the, when you started singing? Like, like, did you used to sing to those 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 tapes that your grandmother used to throw on, or did you just kind of like used to sneak away and put on records in your bedroom and listen yeah. to them? And I just remember like listening to the radio a lot. I mean, I was a pretty poor kid, so I didn't have a lot of CDs. I think the CDs I had when I was a kid was like the Men in Black CD, the soundtrack, the first one, and then I had like a Usher My Way. I think I, those were only two CDs that I really owned until I was older. Um, I just remember listening to the radio a lot and like singing to the thing. I'm like, and I'll be like, well, I, I can do this shit. You know, that's what I thought in my head. And obviously I didn't say shit, but <laughs> I'm like, I can do this. And then, you know, I, I remember like singing with, uh, in front of some people one time and they were just like, they just were like blown away. And I think that from that moment I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take my chances with this. Did you start getting, there was, there's. You did you you sang in a church choir at one point or um I not in a church choir I I was in a choir in high school okay but I uh, I always got kicked out and um you know because I like I said I was ADD and stuff so I, I would always goof off and not pay attention so I was I never really paid attention but I um you know I, I wish I would have it would have been cool to experience you know that side of it and but and then again you know I I dropped out of high school and went and got my GED and stuff I, I think in like the tenth grade so. 
So where where did you and, and but during that time period you were already trying to get some bands going or you were trying to get into bands yeah. and I was in like a pop punk band and I mean I knew, I didn't even know how serious it was I was just in like this this kind of weird spot in my life because um, obviously I was bouncing back and forth to my mom and my dad's house mm. and my dad was in the army and he decided that he was going to move to Iowa take a job there and I wasn't ready to leave where I was so I was kind of in this weird you know, limbo of where, what am I going to do with my life? What am I doing right now? Like I'm, I'm, I'm literally doing nothing. And, um, I was going to like some college courses, like some vocational audio technology courses at a, at a community college. And that's where I met the guitar player for my first band. And I think that's where I, when I tried out, you know, I tried out, I think the song I sang to try out was, uh, that, that newfound glory song. I don't remember the summer. Okay. Time. Yeah. And, uh, that was the song I said when they were just like, yeah, you're definitely a singer. <laughs> and uh, we went on for a couple years. And Wait, then, so Westerholtz? No, no, uh, Ghost Runner. Ghost Runner. Westerhol oh, right. Westerholtz was like a little weird side project that I just played on weekends so we could go buy weed <laughs> when I smoked weed. So <laughs> it was just like a joke, a joke kind of band. And, I mean, like we only had one recording, obviously, and we recorded it in uh, someone's room. So, but yeah, that was just a, a joke type thing. So you're talking about the Ghost Runner on Third? Yeah, Ghost Runner on Third is was my actual first band ever, and. um it was a couple years. We had a nice run, and I actually met. We did a little little tour up to California and back down because they're from Tacoma, Washington, and that's where I met the dance guys because we played a show in Sacramento, and they were in this band called Farewell Unknown, and that's where I met them for the first time. And then, I think like a year, year and a half later, they were talking to me on the internet like, "We need a singer," and I was like, "Well, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Come pick me up, and I'll move to California." And uh, I've been in California ever since. <laughs> you know, a lot of performers. The shows that they do in their neighborhood or in their vicinity of yeah. their neighborhood, uh, you know, they're they're good. Sh they're first shows. They're, they're like they're important. But the real first important, the important show to their life that they usually remember the most is the one, the first one out of town. Yeah. So do you remember the first out of town gig you did? Oh, I can't remember. I, I was I was so young and just retarded back then. You know, I I, I kind of I sort of remember it, and it was definitely like somewhere in California, or maybe I think it might have been Portland or something. But it was definitely not what i expected for sure you know really yeah it was i mean i when i when you play at home and you you know you have all that you got to build that that relationship with the people especially when right. you're like a local band you you get to know the people that really come your to friends the show, show up show yeah your friends heavy. yeah and then you're you know you, you people keep returning to the shows and you start recognize their faces and you're like oh hey what's up you know you start talking go out to eat later you know when that and then now when you're like a band now it's like every face just blends together you know so it's like when i when i played that first show out of town i was i didn't know anyone i didn't i didn't recognize any faces there was like no one there and i was just it was a shock to me you know but i, I another thing is like I, I was never in like a real what it says like i was never in like a local band you know i i i started in a band and when we started playing with them they already had like hype kind of in the area so it was like every show we played was amazing and then you know we, we did that one little tour and then I went home, and then I joined dance. And from dance's first show was like sold out at this place called the Underground in uh, Sacramento. So I was like, I, I always wonder like what it would be to like kind of experience that kind of you know the 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 local having like hard to like put in work type of thing. You know, do you um? That sounded kind of douchey, but <laughs> well, I, you know, I mean, yeah, I you know, um, online the merch dude. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I just retweeted him. He said something to me. Yeah, so. Uh, so and and he. Uh, he says a lot of really great things. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. Um, and it's literally that Twitter handle, the merchant. Yeah. And uh, and 
you know, he's talked a lot about like, hey, treat the local bands, the openers with respect. Yeah. Because you never know later on. Exactly. Like, do you have any rules that you kind of like of the road that you kind of have as a, as a, now as a professional yeah. musician, I mean, singer? It's, it's definitely hard sometimes, uh, especially because, uh, I mean, not to talk shit or anything, but all, all, a lot of the locals, you know, they just sound the same. And it's really hard to like, you know, everyone wants the fucking, the drop, drop A, chug, 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 you know, scream, sing combo now. I, I opened up a huge box, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, I think it's, um, it's not that I got, I don't, I, I definitely don't watch every local. It's hard to watch all the locals, but there's always that one time when you're like, all right, I want to watch the locals stay and you watch them and you're just kind of amazed at the fact that, you know, you're like, that was, that was me once, you know, or I mean, I, I did that. I was, I, I felt that in awkward on stage you know, I was that nervous and, um, it, it I definitely, I definitely treat them with some respect. You know, I, I like to give them what what they deserve for what they're doing. And obviously, you know, if you're a local on on the tour, then obviously, you know, they're helping you because you know they're drawing, like I said, those local people, those familiar faces. And obviously, you know, once you get bigger, they don't really put locals on the tours anymore. But so do you, so when you watch the locals, when you do get a chance to watch locals, mm -hmm. or let's say you're going out and you're and you're at a show yeah. and you have to you go through the the local spots. What do you see as like the, the the like the simple mistakes that a lot of beginning bands make when you're, when they're performing when they're on stage with that audience in front of them? Like what is, what's those those obvious ones right off the bat? Like you got to remember you got to do that or yeah. this. Um, I mean, I, I, it's weird because I, when I watch bands play and stuff, I just feel like it's so monotone these days. You know, I, I'll go out and watch a band, and all four bands that I watch at one point they're all running in place they're all you know doing the fucking crab core whatever shit you know and it's like it's hard for me to like to be like wow i'm i really enjoy this you know i just feel like originality is so it's just dead <laughs> there's no way else to put it man there's just nobody does anything original so i think those like one main things you should like try and focus on is if you're gonna go out and do a show and you're gonna put on a live show I feel like you really just got to be yourself, man, because it's it really comes across as fake when you're out there just just to put on that show. You know, I'm here to play a show. I'm not here to put on a show. Do you think that? But isn't it like they always kind of say, like when a band puts out their first record, it's it's the it's that's the cumulative record of all those individual musicians' influences when they were growing up. They get that out in the first record. In the second record, they start to be themselves. Yeah. They find out who they are. So, do you kind of feel like a lot of times when when you're a beginning band and you're hitting the stage, you're trying to emulate? like your favorite your idols yeah i mean i'm sure that that's that's definitely in uh in a lot of people's minds when they get on the stage you know they're like their your first show you go to or something and you're like wow i just i watched just watch newfound glory or something and they're like you know so amazing and you you know obviously you want to be like all right i, I could do that too you know i got this and then you get on stage and it just doesn't feel right you know you're like that's not me i can't sing like that or that weird jump i did just didn't go you know and uh, it's just when you like putting everything, I guess you said, like you were talking about, like how when their first CD, you know, you're kind of emulating, putting everything into that one CD. I, I honestly can't even remember like what I was trying to do when I first recorded my CD. I think I just was so nervous when I was recording the dance, uh, the, the Ghost Runner stuff that I was just like, I just wanted to get it done. You know, I was so, I just wanted it to be what the band wanted it to be. You know, they're like, they're like yeah, we're pop punk. They would show me all these bands and stuff and, and I, I liked them so then I realized when I got to dance, my singing style completely changed. So I was, you know, like you said, I, I, it started to be more me when I just kind of was like, all right, I can't, I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not the singer of newfound glory. I can't sing like that, you know? So who is, do you think that's who you were trying to emulate? 
I think so. Yeah. I mean, that was a. I love Newfound Glory. Like they were. Uh, I remember that. Like that's one also one of the, like the first CDs I had too when I actually bought a CD. Bought CDs. Um, was that Sticks and Stones album was amazing and. Uh, I definitely was like, yeah, I want to be in a band. You know, I'm watching this. I'm watching MTV, and they're all over it, like just doing crazy shit and just being a bunch of dudes. And I just wanted, uh, I wanted that. I wanted that like that. You know, I wanted to be like that. And then I realized that I can't sing like that. You know, I'm not. I, and it wasn't that I was like singing worse or singing better. It was just not my style. You know, and I kind of bummed me out a little bit. But then once I heard like Anthony Green, you know, what I'm saying once I started to hear him. And that was like when I first started to be in dance. So that's what was like real big there. When Circa came out and the whole sales and split. When I heard that guy sing, I was just like, all right, I know, I know exactly what he was trying to do. Like he, when he split and he tried to like, you know, he's like, he made Cir Circa and he just wanted to be himself. And I feel like that was kind of the moment too that I felt, I felt what he, what he did. And I was like, all right, cool. I, I'm, I'm understanding that a little bit. And I went to dance. I went to California and I just went with the flow. And it was it, it went a thousand times better, man. Now I'm now I'm here. So you know, there's there's a lot of people, a lot of lot of uh, a lot of kids that graduate high school uh, want to be musicians, and like here in the Midwest, like a lot of them are moving to Nashville. Yeah. That's, that's where they gotta go gotta go now. But there still is that dream. I gotta go to California. I gotta be where the industry is. I gotta yeah. go to LA. You, you, were you when you moved to California? Were you afraid at all? Like holy fuck, I'm disconnecting the umbilical cord. Or were you just like I'm? I was I was pretty much already disconnected at that point. Like mm -hmm. I was already out on my own. So it wasn't like I had anything, I didn't have anything to lose, you know? I was like a 18, 19 year old kid living in uh, my guitar player's brother's basement, you know? And I, I didn't have a job. I was going to like uh, those temp agencies where you could like get like $50 a day just to pay my bills. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't have anything to lose. So when I came to California, I was like, you know, they, they, they hit me up. They're like, we need a singer. Can you come? I'm like, let's see, fucking sunshine, palm trees, you know, hot bitches. I'm like, I'm in, you know, I'm down to do this. And when you I were got, moving from Tacoma at that yeah, point. Yeah. And it, so yeah. I'm going from raining every day to just amazing weather. When I got there, it was probably the best year of my life, I think, just being there. And that's, like I said, just starting to be more comfortable with myself. That's when I started to figure out who I was as a person. And I went through a little, the hippie phase, you know, where you just don't give a shit, you don't shower. And What's just, the, how would you describe the music scene? for bands in Los Angeles? Like, if you had to describe it to somebody. I don't even know, man. I, Los Angeles is a whole other world to me, man. Like because a, you're up in Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, I go there and it's like dudes in leather pants and hanging on to like the 80s hair metal, but still trying to do that scene rock. And I just, I don't get it, man. But uh, uh, the scene for LA is definitely intense. I, I'm, I'm starting to get into it now where it's I'm getting into the more industry part of it, where it's like, all right, we're going to go meet this producer or we're going to go sit down with this lawyer and shit like that. So I'm getting out into there and it's, it's a little intense, but you know, I'm, I'm, it'll work out. How do you not get into like you're you're right? Uh, you start going into the industry more. You start meeting people that name drop a lot of very big names that yeah. you've worked with, and it's really easy to get intimidated and start to feel like, am I going to get taken advantage of here? Yeah. Because I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Do you kind of ever have those moments? Um, well, I definitely was like the rise shit. Like I, you know, I I, I fucked up when I signed all that shit. I I signed up for so many records and all this stuff i didn't know what i was doing man i had no idea and definitely now we're gonna you know we're starting to take meetings and stuff with like majors and stuff like that and it's like i don't think i'm gonna let myself be compromised anymore you know like obviously if you want me you want me for what i'm doing you want me for like for who i am and not for i'm about is this kid gonna can we make can we make him something you know i'm already it i'm 27 years old you can't mold me anymore mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm i'm hard clay so <laughs> i guess it's just um it's it, it, it 
it doesn't scare me. It's just, I don't think I'll, I'll ever let myself be compromised like that again, you know? So let's say you're a manager. Let's yeah. say you're managing a brand new band and they get hit with a record, they get a record contract put down on them. What's like the number one thing right off the bat you will not accept? Like after everything you've learned, what's the one thing you're like, nope, that's out. We're not allowing that. Just, uh, just it, it just depends like the, the how much like albums and shit, you know? Like when you sign record labels, like some band, I don't even know who it was. I'm with Will from Emerald he's playing bass for me. His friends just signed like a, a nine CD deal to like nine. Metal Blade or something, something crazy like that. Like, and I was like, what, what are you doing, man? Like, that's fucking insane. You know how many albums that is? Like you start to hate your label after like one album, you know, <laughs> if, if they're not treating you properly. So it's like nine is like the end of the world. Um, that, you know, you just, you really gotta be wary of that type of stuff. And I mean, it's not like they're trying to fuck you in the contract. Like you read it, they know exactly what it's saying. But when you're young and you're like, when I was young and stuff, I was like, all right, here's a record deal. It wasn't the fact that I want to just sign it. It was just like, you know, this is the next, this is the next step for you. This is it. But if you don't do it properly, man, then you're not, you're not doing it at all. Like I'm, I'm glad that I'm out on my own now because now I can, you know, make my own money, make my own hype, make my own, uh, my own path. And hopefully these people will come to me and be like, all right, this, you know, this kid's got his head on his shoulders now and we like what he's doing. Maybe we can help him advance in that direction, not, not take him in, you know, backwards, you know? You've got so many friends that are obviously in bands that have been on labels. You've been on labels, mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, <clears throat> and so it's always the same story and it's really weird. It's almost like a cartoon yeah. that you watch over and over again on television. So band, label, label courts band, right? Yeah. Band gets all excited. They get together, contract, right? great everybody's happy tweets social network everything everybody's happy yeah. and then 30 you know like you know, half a year later a year later it, they're at each other's throats what do you think causes that to happen is it seems like it's almost like clockwork like is it disappointment from well, one I, side I think it's just, yeah i mean you you start to see that everything is one-sided <laughs> you know there's no there's no compromise sometimes it's like you know, you got to do this, you got to do this. And you're like, well, that's just not how I do things. And I'm like, well, tough, tough, tough shit. It's in, it's in the contract. You have to do this. I'm owed this much. I get this first. And it's like, you know, it's it's definitely, uh, you start to see shit is one-sided. And I think that's why it's, it's like set in stone. It's like, if you don't do shit properly, then you're, you're just, you're setting yourself up for a failure. If you don't, if you don't focus, like this is your career, it's your life. You should really focus on what your next step is going to be instead of just letting them decide it for you. So during the from the dance period, what's like been your favorite period? What's what, what's your favorite uh, memory of the whole time that you were with dance? Um, I loved uh, the the first tour we did. It was with um, I can't even remember. Uh, it was with some of the dudes. They're they're in a new band. They were from uh, that band Fairweather. Okay. And uh, it was a small little tour. We toured in a van without a trailer. We had a little thing that went on the hitch, and it had our boxes or whatever the hell we had tubs of stupid little shirts that we made and then we had a tarp over it <laughs> so that was it and um that was i think that was my favorite tour man we um we played like roller rinks and you know and it was just all we had was two floodlights and we put them on the ground and we would get the venue to just turn off all the lights and we would be it would be like a floor show and i remember this my most favorite show ever was in this roller rink we spent all day just cruising around we took promos just being jackasses and it was it was great and then this the show started we turned off all the lights in this roller rink and we're on this you know the glossy floor and we got the, the floodlights and they're just it's just us and like shadows and just silhouettes and me and john are just going back and forth wills in this humongous parka 
inside. Like, it, it, it was just a memory that's going to always be burned in my head. It was a great show. There was great pictures of us together, like, on the ground, just, like, rolling around. Like, we used to do some weird shit back in the day. And I think that that's that memory will always be with me. It was a good one. Do you, uh, you kind of... I don't know if you kind of has there been a point yet or like remember re uh, like reached the, that level where sometimes like with time some sentimentalism kicks in and and you learn to forgive yourself and forgive others and things and then you kind of like you know what I, I, if they came everybody kind of came together and said you know let's do one let's do one for the let's do one more yeah I mean we we, we kind of hit that point already everyone kind of forgave everyone we were cool we went back and we just right. it, it wasn't that. We realized that it wasn't just the problems that we had. We were just different people. So we needed to do our own thing. And I think that's what they're doing now. That's what I'm doing. And a lot of people don't understand that. The kids are always like, you need to go back to dance. You're, you're an asshole. You broke them up. And it was like, you know, we, we came back. We, we came. We went back and did that, that one more right. to see if it was there. And it just, it wasn't there, you know? That's, that's, it's really, that's, that's great you brought that up because it doesn't get talked about a lot yeah. where you start in a band maybe you're 18, 19 years old yeah. and then you hit 24, 25 or something and that is actually on the road. Yeah. That's double that time period yeah. because the road grows you up twice as fast. You got, you got to think about it like this and a, a lot of kids don't understand this whatsoever and they should look at it like this. You got friends, right? You got friends when you're 18 years old. You're hanging out, you're drinking, whatever, you know, smoking weed. You know, you're your kids and you grow up. You don't have those same friends when you're 18. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're in a band with people for so many years, and it's just you're different people. You grow up in different different ways. Like you guys progress and mature in different ways. It's like you can't stay like that forever, you know? Like nothing gold can stay. <laughs> so so uh, how did you – I'm just – especially since you were going through a lot at the time. I mean you were, you were in some of your darker periods um, at that point. But how did you handle Emerosa and dance at the same time? I'm still curious. Like how the hell did you handle that <laughs> considering, you know? I just love singing, man. Um, I love both the music. I just didn't know who to pick. I didn't know who to choose. So I just said, fuck it. Why well, can't I just do them both? Was that really it? That was like – Yeah. Like I just – I didn't know what to do. So I just decided to do them both. And um, it obviously didn't work out. But, you know, I, I, I got to say that I was in – Two bands, two prominent bands at the same time, which not a lot of people can say that shit. Looking back on it, what would you have done differently at th about that part? I don't know, man. Um, you know, I would have definitely liked to keep the Amorosa guys together. I miss those guys a lot, and not anything against the dance guys. They're just completely, they're just two different groups of people, you know? And um, I always felt that the Amorosa dudes, they actually cared about me a lot more than the dance dudes. For some reason, especially like during like, the whole dark stuff, like I felt like, not that the dance guys don't love me and stuff, but I just, for some reason, I always felt like the Amorosa guys were a lot more genuine, you know? Mm -hmm. They really, they cared about how I felt and they wanted me to care about how they felt. Was, uh, and then dance is like, it was just like, all right, well, Johnny's going to do his thing. I guess we'll do our thing, you know? Do you, uh, from, I'm going to say that for the song break. Um, you kind of mentioned this before in the first part. Uh, I'm just, every every person that's kind of had their struggles has that period where that period they don't remember yeah. they don't remember the show they mm -hmm. don't remember the tour they don't remember it depends on how bad it was yeah. is there a point where it's just like from that to this time period i don't even remember i, I don't remember what i said to you i don't yeah. know anything i mean small things like that like uh like i'll go to a show or something and someone will be like yeah we met before and i'm like all right cool yeah i remember meeting you and then they're like but you remember you said this did that and i'm like no not really so like i i remember stuff like i remember the tours i remember playing the shows but 
I, like sitting back right now, I can't be like, all right, that one that one show on the AP tour where we were in Cleveland, like I can't be like, yeah, I did this or that on stage. Oh yeah, I remember that. It's just it all it's all a, a humongous blur now, you know. When you walked on stage, what what were what were during that period? What were you usually on? Like if the kids were sitting in the audience and you were on stage and you were on something, what were you usually on? It's mostly, uh, I mean, I started on on the pills, man. I. I I, I um, you know, like I had like a couple surgeries and I had like the Vicodin and right. I just went from there, man. I, I was usually just uh, on a lot of pills stuff. And I, once I got introduced to like using needle and stuff, then it was like, that's when it got real crazy. Cause even if I wasn't shooting heroin, I would just, sh I could still shoot pills. So it was like, it got, it got intense, but yeah, mainly just um, like narcotics and stuff like that, like stuff like that. You're, you're, you say now, like when you perform, it's really raw yeah it's very raw it's very emotional it's very you so when you were using how would you describe yourself on stage as a performer then yeah i don't even know man a yeah. mess really <laughs> just a wreck um i mean i i know that i didn't sound horrible you know i know that i didn't like sound like shit but <clears throat> there's definitely you can tell the difference in my voice now when i'm on stage singing sober and stuff i just you i feel like a, i'm more passionate i'm not just i, I feel like I was like a robot when I was high, you know what I'm saying? I just did it. I knew what I was doing. I knew the lyrics. I got up there and just did it every night. And now it's like, I feel like I'm putting more effort into every show. I'm, I'm really pouring my heart out. I'm putting my passion on the line. Like I'm really putting myself out there this time. And uh, I think that's that's kind of the difference. You know, I, I was just kind of a robot. <laughs> you know, uh, um, one of the things that usually will stick, I find um, that people have gone through uh gone to rehab and they're, and they're and they're on the sober journey is is that they have started to put a monetary number of basic monetary number in their head of probably how much they spent yeah using do you have you ever done that yet i can't i, I mean I, I was going through like 30 grand to like 40 grand in like like a month man less than a month so i don't even know how much i spent probably a good amount you know i could definitely own my own house right now i could be sitting pretty pretty well if i hadn't have uh taken that route but you know it's all it's just all about taking those mistakes and really learning from them. I guess that that's that's really what it's all about. Mm -hmm. You know, when you when you the beautiful part about uh, when somebody is is um, you know reclaiming their life mm -hmm. is that they've hit the bottom. Yeah. They hit that bottom, and that bottom is that part where nobody probably could have helped them like at all. Like yeah. that, that's when that person like hits the floor and they're like, "I got to do this seriously. I got to do it." Yeah. So. So, do you remember that day, that moment that it was yeah. the? I was uh, I was in Canada, and um, Eric and everyone, my manager and stuff, they all thought I was sober. They um, they sent me to Canada just to chill out before you know a tour that was gonna happen. And um, yeah, I was, I was hanging out with some friends. I went up there to start. I started just hanging out to stay at my mom's, and then I went from my mom's back to Abbotsford because my mom lives like forty minutes from Abbotsford now. So I went back to Abbotsford. Hung out with some friends and they, I started to get high again. And I went, I was there for about two months before I really just hit the bottom again. And, uh, you know, I was with my friends. They were all getting high too. And they were like, <clears throat> they're, you know, everything was cool. And then they stopped and I just kept going. And they were like, all right, man, you know, we, we gotta, we, we gotta ask you to leave. And I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. And so I, you know, I went to stay with my mom for a couple of days. And then she was like, you gotta go. Like, mm -hmm. I, was, I was like, where, you know, where am I gonna go? What the fuck am I gonna do? And she's like, I don't care. Go sleep in a shelter. And that just kind of hit me. I'm like, yes, you're your fucking mom. You know, it's like, I'm sitting there like, I'm not going to go sleep in a shelter. I'm like, what? So I called, uh, I just called Eric and I was like, get me the fuck out of here, man. And then, uh, I walked into rehab the, the next day, March 1st. And that was in California there, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it, was it in LA or, Sa or Sacramento? Yeah, it was in LA, um, Burbank. 
Burbank. Yeah. Um, what was the name of that place again? Cry Help. Cry Help. And uh, uh, and I remember it was in the in the cover story. Like yeah. you learned, like you were talking about, like you you you've got taught from them at least their version of discipline. Like yeah, you had to yeah. get up, you had to make your bed by a certain time in yeah. the morning. Sober living and stuff. I mean, like us, going back to like when we talk about like the responsibility of like you know taking drugs and shit and mentally stunting you know yourself emotionally and shit. It's like yeah, it's crazy to. Get back in there, like, all right, you gotta be up at seven. I need you to make your bed. You got chores, and you're like, you're a fucking grown ass man. You're like, what? Like, you're gonna try and make me wash the dishes and shit? Like, <laughs> at least, you know, not on your own accord. You know, you can't, right. someone telling you what to do is really intense, man. It is. It's it's really a, a life changing experience, and I think that's what it's meant to be. How many did you, uh, was there ever a time where, uh, and again, this is, this is pretty common for people um, that are going into uh, rehab and stuff. It's like where they kind of feel like, you know, I can't do this or I don't wanna do it. And they try to get out. They try and walk out. Yeah, well, I mean, they're just, they know that they're not, if, if you're going to go into rehab and you're just going to walk out, you're not, you're not ready. So why waste the time going there? You, you got to be 100% at the bottom, done with it all before you walk in those doors or it will not work. What are those points in your life now that you feel like you're stronger? Now that you're like, you're engaged yeah, and yeah. so forth. Like, where do you think like, I, I, I'm a stronger person now in these areas now? I mean, I don't. I'm not really too pot, like sure, but I, I just know that I'm like a thousand times happier, man. And I think that like really shows like when and when I talk, when I when I you know socialize, when I when I sing, I'm just I feel more positive about my future as opposed to how kind of depressed I was feeling about oh I'm in this record deal, you know, all that kind of stuff just rolled into one ball, and it was just me making excuses because I didn't want to deal with with my life, and um, I feel like I'm. In that aspect, I'm 100% stronger. Like I don't, I don't want to not be here anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like before, I would always be like, I'm ready to die. You know, like uh, I'm not scared of all this shit. And now it's like I can honestly say that you know I'm I'm happy and 100% like really, really, really enjoying my life right now, man. For the first time in like I don't know the last 10 years of my life, I was fucked up. But for the first time since I'm a kid, I'm enjoying myself. What know? do you enjoy most about life now? just just the fact that i uh i can wake up every morning and not and not have to spend six hours of my day searching for drugs or wake up feeling sick and throwing up and shaking and that is that is the biggest blessing of my life right now is to just wake up every day and just open my eyes and 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 sometimes i i open my eyes and have to check like am, am, am i right you know it's it's kind of surreal and i that is that is the the biggest thing for me right now is to just wake up and not have to feel like shit every day, man. Do you uh do you have a, do you have something that you do like you know some musicians like they 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 have that other thing that's nothing to do with the industry that they like doing. Yeah. You know, I got a friend that likes doing uh, musician singer and he likes making pottery. Yeah. Or just or whatever you know like is there something that you like to do that's just got nothing to do with music that maybe people don't know about that you like to do? Yeah, I mean I I haven't really found my my niche in life yet. I guess <laughs> when it comes to the. Uh, the back burner but um i don't know i, I mean i like to do, like lots of stuff but i i, I always i, I want to get a dog i'm trying to get a dog forever and a man really a man won't let me get a dog what kind of dog you want to get um I, me personally i love pitbulls but she doesn't like them so we're trying to compromise but <laughs> yeah. and i she was always like well she won't let me get a dog until i have like a, a certain amount of days clean um you know she's just trying to motivate me and stuff to get it a whole another year and uh so i was thinking i'm like i like I'm like maybe I'll just go work at like a shelter and shit or something. You know, like I I I, I watched all these stupid shows like that Pitbull Paroli show and shit. Sure. I just love animals, man. I don't know what it is, but 
I want like every dog I see. I go on like Craigslist when I'm bored and I just look at the the free pets and shit. I'm like, oh, I bet I could probably get this in this city. <laughs> She's gonna kill yeah, you. She would kill me if I did it. But I mean, I, mean, I think any, everyone in the van would probably kill me if I came back with a dog. And shit. But uh, yeah, I, I I think I want to work with animals, man. That, that'd be cool. So okay, so the second music break, and then uh, the the last part will be actually it's a lightning round. It's actually really easy. Okay. Um. So here's second music break. So let's let's talk. Um. This could be any song that you've that you've made that we there's a recording of. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, give me the song that you that fans misunderstand the most, the meaning of it. Um. I mean, I'm just gonna have to go with uh with Show No Divorce, dude. Yeah. I don't, it's not that they don't understand it. I I just think that they um. I mean, excuse me. I, it's not that they misunderstand it. I think it's just um, nobody actually knows the you know the the real story about it. No one really takes the time to focus on that shit. So, hmm. I mean, you want me to go into yeah, this? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, um, well, the the reason I wrote that song is obviously I, it was back in a little. I was in my it was like the beginning of my darker days. I wasn't too crazy, and I was seeing a girl, and um, you know I got her pregnant. Now I was I was young, and I'm I'm a touring musician, whatever. And I we were dating. And you know, she, she was older. She was like twenty six or some shit. I was only like twenty one, twenty two. And she wanted to like, you know, once she once that happened, she got real intense with me. And like I was young and shit. She wanted to, she wanted to be in love and get married and all that shit. And I'm, just, I'm just like, whoa, let's let's fucking let's back it up a little bit. You know, I know you're pregnant. I can't control that. But I was like, I, I, I wasn't ready for that. So I, I told her, I was like, I. It's not fair. I don't. I don't love you the way that you apparently love me, and I can't give you what you want. But I was like, I want to take care of this baby. You know, it's mine. And she just, uh, just disappeared, man. She, she took off. She actually went to my mom's house. Never met my mom before. Showed up at my mom's house on my sister's birthday and was like, Oh, I'm pregnant with your son's kid. I got nowhere to go. So she stayed there for a few months. Had the baby. My, you know, my mom was there. All that. And then I made this song, and my mom. Stupidest thing. My mom liked it on Facebook, and the girl nobody's seen her since. She just fucking up and left the house. She, I mean, I think she's in like the middle of Canada somewhere. I'm not really too positive. Somebody said they saw her the other day in like Toronto, but is it a boy or a girl? Uh, I think it's a girl. Yeah, it's a girl. Her name's uh, last time I she wanted to name it a Midi Isla, so I don't know what her name is, but I think that's something yeah. like in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's just the the lyrics are you know maybe maybe someday she'll know my name, you know, but. As of right now, I don't I don't know where it is, and I made the effort. I tried hard to be there, and be you know not that dude that just fucking pieces out on his kid. But I couldn't, I couldn't risk my own happiness. Right. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't put myself in that situation where I wasn't gonna be happy for the rest of my life just for a child. And right. I'm, that might be selfish, it might not be, but I could still give that kid love. You, you know? want to see her? I would love to. Yeah, I would love to. But you know, I know, I know she's remarried. I've heard she's oh, remarried. Really? So, and I think that's appropriate too. You know, it, obviously, I'm not going to barge in at a young age and be like, "Hey, I'm your I'm your dad," and confuse the shit out of her. You know, that would confuse me. So, I'm gonna. Uh, I just feel like this. I, I made I made my peace with it a long time ago. I, I tried my best. I tried my hardest to um, you know to be responsible for that and for what I did. And uh, you know, I, I feel like I I did what I was supposed to do. And that's how I feel about it. Um, and then uh, give me the song that you you love, you love, that you don't get to perform it, either because the fans don't really like it or because it just doesn't fit, like it doesn't work on a stage. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, <clears throat> that's a tough one, man. I mean, my my solo CD is like is pretty kind of short, so I've always played all the songs. Um, the one song, I guess, I'd have to say is... Uh, it's actually one of the, it's like the intros of the CD. It's like a, 
uh, so many of us hide our black hearts. And uh, it's just, a, I think it's a, an interlude outro thing, and I always miss it. And also, another one I always love to play that we never got to play is on the Amorosa CD. It was uh, Even Bad Men Love Their Mothers. And my mom actually sang on it. <laughs> why, do you, why don't you get to play that one? Like, it's just, well, I mean, you could, I mean, I, I know you've been, like, trying to work yeah, some yeah. of the stuff from the past into the, into the current stuff you're doing now. Yeah, it's just... I, I want to move forward, you know, I, I love all the CD to death. I mean, I, it's my work. It was one of my, you know, it was my masterpiece at that time. It was, it was who I was. And I think, um, you know, I just want to move forward. I don't want to focus too much. And obviously it's not a real song. So kids, you know, they're not going to be screaming all the words opposed to Australian and freaky. And I still feel her part three. So that, that's kind of why I can't play it is, you know, it's, it's not a real song. You know, it's, you know, cause you brought up Anthony and Sayosin before, but it mm -hmm. took him He's still kind of, but not nearly as bad as he was, but he, it took him a long time to get out from underneath that Sayosin thing. And he was only with him for six months. Yeah. And, uh, and he, it's, do you think kind of like you're going to always be asked about like do dance stuff? Do Probably. Whatever? But I mean, in that, I mean, I get asked almost every night, you know, why, why don't you go dance? Or I'm on my Twitter and they're like, you know, why, why can't you do this? That? And it's like, I, I'm just trying to focus on me right now. I mean, and they, I, I did that run where I was with the bands and I, and I, and I made, you know, my career with them. But now it's like, I feel like it's my turn. It's my turn to take control of my own life, you know? And it's my turn to, to show people that, yes, that I am, I'm more than just a lead singer. Like I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to make my own music and, 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 and not need four other people to back me up, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause a lot of people talk shit and they're just like, without those bands, you'd be nothing and all this stuff. And it's just, it could go both ways, you know. That that mean those bands could be nothing, and I, I hate to think of it like that, but it is. It is what it is, you know. And back to these cold, shitty days in Portland, wishing I'd never come across your face, playing by the memories of things unspoken, scared by thoughts.
I'm gonna do this right in lightning round, but I but we haven't talked about it, and we were kind of briefly talking about it before we started mm -hmm. this. Um, what don't you think that fans understand about social media and relating to artists? Like, do you think that the, like what like what are the like this? There just seems to be like this adversarial relationship right off the bat yeah. that's online, and and what do you think that you wish they would understand? Yeah, I mean, I I, I love. I get told all the time, like when I'm on my Twitter and shit, I get told like I'm one of the, the realest like artists on Twitter because, you know, I I just say what I want, I say what I feel at all times, and I feel like a lot of like bands and shit they have like their Twitters and they got people running them for them and it, right. they try and make it real professional and shit, and that's cool too. But I mean, I'm like I said, my life is an open book, and so and I it's not that I like 
am welcoming all this criticism, but it's, it's going to happen no matter what. I mean, why can't I be a part of it, you know? Why can't I give my two cents if someone wants to try and talk shit on me when all I'm trying to do is better myself, you know? Well, if, and you and so if you're trying, if you are, you, you're bettering yourself, and every day you're, you're I think at one, one uh, statement you said, like, you know, you're trying not to live, like, in a negative space anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so how do you do that? How have you found a way to do it when you've kind of got this this chorus that's obviously diminishing in size yeah. on on your social media that is hitting you with tweets and Facebook posts and stuff and they're and they're just they're just trying to drag you back. Yeah. Like how do you deal with that? Like before you're like I didn't have a phone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's tough, dude. You read the same shit over and over and over again, you're 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 going to get upset, you know? It's it's going to happen eventually. Like you can only go so many times with someone fucking making some stupid macbook joke before it's like all right just kill me now it is ridiculous it's been two years but i try to just look at it like this like this is the this is the reason why i'm still here this is the reason why i'm still doing is because i i want to you know shut them the fuck up like I, i'm i'm out here to do me now and it's like they're all they all they want to focus on is negative because they don't not that they don't believe me but i think that they're just mad because i'm walking tall right now you know what i'm saying I, i'm i'm actually doing what i'm saying and I think a lot of people are really pissed off at that because they wanted me to fucking crash and burn. And I just, I, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of that. I, I got, I got this. I, I love what I do and I'm going to keep doing it. So well, let's spread some positive energy right now. <laughs> so, all right. So who, who's out there right now in bands wise that you, you want to like say something like, I really like your stuff. Like who, who's out there right now? Anybody? I mean, honestly, like I, I haven't been listening to all the music in the scene. I've been trying to just like distance myself out of it, especially okay. like the hard, the hard, you know, the scene stuff. Sure. But I mean, my, my, Pierce the Veil, you know, I've been friends with them for so long. They're doing so good right now. I mean, I, I, I even like that that band that I'm on tour, that Let Live band. They're mm -hmm. really good. I love that band. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, I know that Kellen's, you know, he's do he's doing pretty well for himself now. I remember when he was, you know, coming up and he's doing really well. And then uh, obviously I got the, my ginger twin there, Matty Mullins. <laughs> I never met him or anything, but uh, yeah, I guess apparently we look alike and we get a compared all the time so you know i know that there's a lot of people doing really well right now and i think that's really cool i really respect the fact that they're um you know they're they're pushing through they're doing they're doing what they love and they're actually getting to where they want to be have you found have you kind of stumbled across anybody who's trying to emulate you yet everybody uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> i mean it's not that they're like trying to imitate me and stuff but i mean i i definitely i feel like not to sound like a douche but i feel like i really helped bring a more sensual soulful side to like the whole post-hardcore scene you know and it's not just me like anthony green you know craig owens i think we, we're all kind of responsible for like being able to you know bring something a little fresh to it and then it kind of took a whole new spin where you know tyler carter kellen quinn you know they all came out with these you know kind of r&b-ish vocals kind of mm -hmm. high but real sensual and i think uh you know i, I think that's really cool man that's awesome. Um, okay, so here we go. Lightning round. Let's right. get this out. Now, the funny thing is, is that since there's been so much in, in, in focus on all the, the past, I, I don't really hear a lot of these questions. So some of these are very, very basic, and they're, and, but I ask some of them because maybe they won't be asked ever again. Okay. So, so we're lightning try. round, does that mean like go fast? Or yeah, kind of, but, but, <laughs> if you, but you can stop and explain. So please okay. don't, you know, it's like lightning round in the sense like I'm just, I've just got a series of questions. Okay. okay. So, so, all right, here we go. Favorite color? It is red. Red. All right, favorite movie? Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner. Okay. All right. Here we go. Favorite place to recharge. And, and I got some categories here. Oceans, mountains, uh, grasslands, desert, forests, suburbia, or cities? I'm going to go with mountains. Why mountains? Uh, my mom's got like, 
my mom, my aunt, we all we all go on like vacation in the summer times up in like Portland, this mountain. I can't remember what it's called, but it's just it's amazing. So we got a little cabin out there with the the creek, and oh, wow. it's awesome. It's just a place to get up there and just forget everyone, forget who you're dating, just just go, just be yourself, man. <laughs> That's you know? awesome. Uh, favorite country in the world? Uh, I love the UK. I love it. Why? What's, just, what about it? Every time I go there, the fans are just so amazing. The people, like uh, the kids, uh, I feel like they are, they are so more genuine with when it comes to like coming to the shows and stuff like i know like america's amazing the kids come out and stuff but they're, they're real picky about who they go see when you go to the uk man they just love music and they want you to be there and so when you're there it's like you you just you feel on top of the world dude that's awesome favorite junk food oh man i try not to eat junk food anymore but uh, i i mean i love pizza dude but no it's not really pizza pizza is just getting me though i'm getting particular particular uh particular type of pizza is always um yeah you know, i mean I just, I'll, I'll honestly I'll eat. i like that i like taco pizza i don't know if you ever heard of it but yeah, like, yeah. I, I love like so i love the the sour cream and shit on it, it just kills me dude <laughs> favorite record of all time <laughs> uh my favorite record of all time that is a tough one i have a lot of them um i'd say for like more like r&b type album i'm gonna go with um the uh, Boys to Men album where it's just their names. Mm -hmm. It's like a kind of self-titled. That one it came out. It's like their third or fourth CD. That's probably my, one of my favorite albums. And for uh, more Rocky-ish type stuff, I'm going to go with um, either... Um, I'm going to stay kind of current. I'm going to either do a Circa's first CD okay or i'm gonna go with um newfound glory sticks and stones because you know i gotta have love for uh, yeah exactly <laughs> have, have you have you hung out with chad i have not i haven't hung really out. Have you ever, would you want to is it one of those yeah, things you'd yeah. be a little intimidated like if like no no i'm not no? intimidated at all i mean i i think i've seen him once or twice before and we're talking about chad from newfound glory right. Right? yeah i i mean i he i don't know if he likes me or not but i always tweet at his his girlfriend because i'm a huge fan of paramore i've always been a huge fan so favorite tv series like the one that you would have on dvd Oh man, I got tons. Uh, I like like superhero type shit. So Heroes was a good one. Okay, yeah, like right. That. First season. Yeah, I love. First season. Yeah. yeah. After that, I went. It went a little weird. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, same with Lost. Like, you're right. It exactly. Got, it got a little weird, but right. It started out great. Did you like the Avengers? Yeah, I did. I loved that. I loved that movie. It was tight. Um, favorite comedian. Favorite comedian. Um, I, that Aziz guy. I, I was watching some oh, yeah. shit on Netflix the other day, and I, I got fucking cracking me up. That Randy. <laughs> <laughs> favorite item of clothing you'd wear every day if you could get away with it uh just the white tee man i'm a king of the white tee <laughs> okay same here uh favorite club to play in without getting you in trouble uh favorite club like best memories performing every time you go to that town that club is like I, I like i like to play the sacramento my hometown man i love the ace i love ace spades it, i know eric owns it it's kind of oh yeah you're just saying that but i, lo <laughs> I love that club man it's it's when you walk in it's put together so well like you just go in it feels nice it looks nice it, it's just it's a cool place to be dude <laughs> um okay we're in a tour bus uh you have to, you get to choose which bunk you're in upper lower middle i'm gonna go i'm gonna go in the middle on the right side why because i'm just uh I, I don't i slept on the top before and it just sucked i ended up just keeping all my shit in the top bunk and sleeping in the back and i'm not i, I can't sleep on the floor so and, do you, I'm, do you, and I'm right-handed, so I would go for the right. Do you uh, do you get that that uh, post uh, uh, tour bus syndrome where you get off, like you're home for the first two days and you can't sleep because you don't hear the bus running at night? No, I'm, I'm I sleep pretty well. It's one thing I never have a problem with sleeping. <laughs> um, you do have an iPhone. Uh, favorite phone app you can't live without? Um, man, that's 
That's a crazy ass question. <laughs> I use them. I mean, I, Twitter. I, mean, I can't. I'm addicted to Twitter, dude. Who isn't? Right. Uh, <laughs> favorite season of the year? Um, uh, summertime, dude. Always. Summer. Always. Favorite piece of rock and roll memorabilia that you now own? I don't own. I barely own anything. So. Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, what's the biggest myth about you? Like. It's just, what do you mean, like myth? Like, <laughs> like, like rumor? Like what? Yeah, like, like, yeah, like even a rumor. Like, what's the biggest thing that's just not true? Um, uh, I don't know. I never, uh, I never played gospel music. I don't know where that comes from. I, I think I said in an interview or something sometime. It was, I, I, my mom sang like hymns and gospel type shit. I never sang that shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what what was your name? Your holy shit show. That's the one where you walked out on stage and went, "Holy crap!" There's a lot of people here. Um, it was definitely on, uh, I, it was on the, the AP tour. I remember just, I don't know. I, I think it was the first show, the Cleveland show. And, uh, I just, I was with my ex-girlfriend. She was a girlfriend at the time. And I, I just fucking remember walk, like looking onto that stage and was just like, what the fuck is about to happen? I mean, I played big shows before, but it was like, it was, it was real. It got real, real. <laughs> um, the, let me see here. A time fans almost tore you apart. At a show. Oh, it's, we we played in the UK with um Yumi at six, and they're yeah fucking huge, huge yeah. over there, and we played like this stadium type shit, and um it, I think it was this it was us the spill canvas, and then Yumi at six, and I just remember one time I went into the crowd, and like by the time I got back to the stage, I didn't have a shirt on, both my both my shoes were gone, <laughs> uh, everything in my pockets were gone. So uh, yeah, I just I, it was crazy. I came back with my pants, and that was it. <laughs> Isn't the rule like if you're a musician, don't ever go on a stage with your phone? Yeah, I mean, I I I learned that the hard way. I mean, I got I got my phone back and everything, but it's mostly the fuck it is, and that's kind of another thing about that is that a lot of fans will take shit off of you if you go into the but they'll give it back yeah, later. Yeah. It's kind of like a lend lease sort people, of thing. They keep they like to steal my fucking shoes though, and they and they do not give them back. <laughs> and I mean, I'm wearing those Toms. Those are fucking forty dollars a pair, all right? I'm I'm trying to help kids out and shit, but I don't want to come home with one shoe. <laughs> Have to have to go buy like eight more pairs. So give me my shoes back. <laughs> um, okay, a couple more. Uh, most awkward fan recognition moment. Oh, this, this chick in like San Diego. I don't. I could not even tell how old she was. But she came up to me and asked me if she could, uh, if I could give her some of my semen, so she could like go in and impregnate herself. And I, just, I just stared at her. I was just like. Did this shit just really come out of your mouth? Like I'm, I was <laughs> fucking dumbfounded, dude. <laughs> um, and uh, have you ever had a, a like you know where they say fangirl moments where you met a, met a musician or a celebrity or something and you just you just like you were just like your fans? Yeah, I was uh, I was younger, and um, uh, it, I was in the mall in Canada, and uh, I was the uh, the singer of the Ataris, Chris. Oh yeah, Chris Rowe. <laughs> yeah, and I uh, I was just freaking out, man. I don't know why. I, uh, I just fucking I lost it, and uh, I know I got a picture with him. I like Polaroid and shit. And super bummed out, man, because I uh, he was like, yeah, I'm gonna. He's like, he's like, hey, are you coming out to Warp Tour tomorrow? And I was like, nah. And he's like, yeah. Well, I was like, I don't have any money. He's like, he's like, yeah, come down and I'll put you on the list and shit. So we went all the way down there, and he didn't put me on the list. Wow. And the funny thing is, a couple of years later, when Amorosa we played a show, and the Ataris opened up for us in our hometown, and I told him the story, and I think he felt kind of stupid. <laughs> 
Oh, but he was—he's such a cool dude. Like we met him at a gas. We met him at the gas station. We were in a gas station. And he like rolled up, and they were just there. And I'm like, dude, didn't I know you? Like, you know that one time when I was like crying in the mall, and you fucking forgot to put me on the warp toilet after you driving like what 50 miles? Yeah, I mean, we took a train and shit, but still. <laughs> what was that like the Gord show, or was that? The... It was. I was in Canada, so it was uh, oh, Vancouver. Vancouver. And my mom. Doing, yeah. I lived in Abbotsford, so it was like. It was like yeah, it was a good hour, hour and a half. Do you what was it? Do you do you remember like driving into Vancouver to go see a show? Like 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 what was your like your first show you went to by yourself? Oof, I don't even like know to that. see a, like a national band though. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can't like I said, I have so some bad mem like hard memories and shit. But I um, I remember uh, I went to Canada and I went to show by myself. I don't even know why it was. It was like bless the fall. <laughs> um, I think it was uh. Um, what is it? That what's that band? My brain is not working. Uh, Fear for the March of Flames. Oh yeah, okay. And I went to go see them, and I just remember like being there, and I didn't, I didn't really know anyone. And it was kind of weird. And I was like, before I came back and did the first dance game dance CD. So. so you went there by yourself? Yeah, I just went there by myself, and I, uh, I think I, I don't know if like I think Silverstein was on the show. I can't remember. I don't, yeah. Oh, and maybe Alexis on Fire. I, I don't know. All these all these shows are blending together in my brain right now. I think I just I think I just named three different tours. But <laughs> that would have been a sweet tour though. <laughs> all right. So last question. Um, so uh, so let's say it's ten years from now, and let's say uh, you know for the sake of asking this question, let's say you you see your daughter. Yeah. And you get that moment, that father daughter moment, and you're sitting on the front step of wherever and you get that kind of bonding moment and you want to tell her something about life you want to like teach her something about life like about what to know about life what would you say yeah i mean this is like a such a hard subject for me man mm -hmm. uh, i'm sorry no it's it's all right um i don't know man i just i just want probably her to know that you know it wasn't my fault, you know, as much as it sounds stupid to say, I just, uh, I would want her to know that, like, no matter what her mom told her or what even she feels about it, it's like, I wanted to be there, man. I, I You know, I wanted to experience that for myself, but I think it's, uh, you know, I'm hoping it works out someday, but if it doesn't, I, you know, I just want her to know, maybe she'll listen to it someday and just, you know, know that I, I do. I love her. She's a part of me. I don't even know. I don't know what she looks like. I, you know, I don't. It's crazy to me. But sorry. Well, I th I think it's really beautiful where you're going with your life right now, and I think that you've got nothing but uh, positive things that are happening for you. And I think that's that's you know compared to where you, what you were going through a year ago, much as two years ago, is just beautiful. And I just wish you the best of everything. And I think you're going to be fine. I, I think, think you're going to do it. Man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Totally. Um, sorry, I'm just embarrassed. Right now. No, no, no. You should never, you should never, you, I think you know this by now. Yeah. It's like you literally just went on the stage. You, you, when you're yourself, that's the best way to be. Be honest. Um, well, thank you again so much for this. This has been amazing talk, amazing interview. And I, and thank you, man. Just, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I think uh, I, there's been so much more about you. I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of us are going to know now, and that's awesome. That's perfect. We get behind the caricature. Thank you, man. It's thank awesome. you. AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. 
post-production assistance from Rob Bertenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is All My Fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 